the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is almost always on his way, going somewhere, traveling from place to place, teaching, feeding, healing, doing the things that Jesus does. The story we're going to read today is the same but different. We'll see that Jesus and his disciples are indeed on their way somewhere once again, but this story marks the beginning of a larger, more important journey for Jesus and his disciples. No longer are they just on the way to another village or some other town. No, Jesus is now on his way to the cross, which is a surprise, a scandal even for his friends, and thus begins Lent, the season in the church's calendar meant for us to be a journey as well, one in which we walk alongside Jesus on his way to the cross. A time for us, all of us, to get serious once again about this life of faith. To get serious about living as a Christian, not just on Sunday, but on every day. A chance for us to get serious about having our, lo- our lives look a lot like Jesus' life, cross and all. So here's the story. It's from Mark chapter 8. The words are in your bulletin. They're going to be on the screen as well. Here's verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Now, in other words, people aren't quite sure who Jesus is. But they suspect that he's powerful, that he's like one of these powerful prophets from their history. Some, somehow come back. Then he asked them, his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. This is kind of like a code in Mark's gospel. Whenever Jesus orders people to be quiet, to keep some secret, it's when they've discovered something true about him. Peter's right. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Savior. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man, the Messiah, must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter, who has just called Jesus Messiah, now rebukes him. For us modern Christians, cushioned by 2,000 years of church teaching, the the idea of a suffering Messiah is kind of unremarkable. We we know that by now. But for Peter, and for every other Jewish person in Jesus' time, the whole idea of Messiah was that the Messiah would deliver Jews from pain and suffering. Intrinsic to the Jewish understanding of the Messiah was the notion of triumph, not death. So Peter walks over to Jesus, puts his arm around his friend, takes him aside to set him straight. Jesus' suffering, rejection, and death are not on the agenda. Prestige, power, dominion, that is the agenda. David's throne, remember? Ruling the nations with power and might is why you've come. Verse 33, but turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Peter's rebuke reflects the way we humans think. 
We think the way to victory is the way of power and might because might makes right. Might gives us a glorious kingdom. Just look at human history. It's dotted with empire after empire after empire, nations striving to become a superpower. Just look at our own lives. Think about the last time you had an argument with someone you love. Why were you arguing? I don't know the details. I don't need to know the details. But was any part of it because you wanted to be right? Was any part of it because you were right and you wanted to win? For Jesus, though, and for any who would be his followers, there's another way. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. During this Lenten season, one question should dominate our thinking. What does it mean to be a faithful disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a faithful disciple of Jesus? Frederick Buechner, a famous theologian, suggests that after his baptism, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness asking himself the question, what does it mean to be Jesus? And during Lent, Christians are to ask in one way or another what it means to be Christians. In the gospel story of Mark that we've been working through this year, Mark sets out to answer the questions. Who is Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And he recognizes that they are inextricably linked. Before we can understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, the Messiah, we need to know what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. Jesus' question to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter's answer to Jesus, you are the Messiah. These things are a, a crucial hinge in Mark's gospel and in our own life of faith. Up to this point in the story, Mark has narrated Jesus' travels throughout Galilee, telling a rapid, urgent sequence of events. Jesus has healed the, the diseased, the disabled, and troubled. He told parables. He fed thousands with a few scraps of food. He, he walked on water. He stood up to the criticism of religious leaders. He reached out to Gentiles who had been on the outside. What was he up to with all of that? What was he doing? Now, it turns out that his purpose wasn't all that clear to the people around him, even those closest to him. The judgments of the people around him were unenthusiastic at best. Some people thought that he was crazy. Others were convinced that he was in cahoots with the devil. The disciples were confused most of the time. So Jesus' question to his followers then and now is, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter's response, you are the Messiah, seems to put it all in perspective for the Christian faith. The dramatic healings, perplexing parables, incredible miracles, shocking inclusion can now be seen as characteristic activities of a pretty appealing Messiah. It would be fun, maybe, to follow Jesus the caring helper. Jesus, the wise teacher. Jesus, the one who opens new possibilities. So we disciples, we think, ought to be caring and discerning, welcoming and hospitable to all. It's an easy thing to wrap our heads around. But Peter's confession of faith, you are the Messiah, has this disturbing sequel that he didn't expect. Because Jesus begins to teach his followers that he will be rejected that he will suffer greatly, that he will be killed, 
And Peter's response makes it clear that he doesn't think this is good news. He's horrified to the point that he doesn't even seem to hear Jesus' promise to rise on the third day. Whether we admit it or not, this story is astonishingly relevant for us today. Peter was blinded by his own preconceptions. He had a very clear idea of how life should be. And thus, he had a very clear idea of what God should do. Peter knew how life should be. He knew what God should do. And so his cherished convictions about what the Messiah's agenda should be would not allow him to see what the Messiah's agenda must be. Now, how often are we guilty of this? We assume, arrogantly, I suppose, that we know what must be done, that we know who should be in office, that we know whatever it is. We have a very clear idea of how life should be, and we have a very clear idea of what God should do for us. We're so convinced sometimes that even a word from Jesus himself cannot dissuade us. Blinded by our own preconceptions and presuppositions, we, like Peter, would not be convinced even if someone raised from the dead. It's easy, though, to skip over Peter's shock and revulsion at the prospect of a suffering Messiah because we know the end of the story. We know the triumph of resurrection glory and the heavenly ascension and the lavish gifts of the Spirit on the church. We know of a life of discipleship that, well, rarely requires loss of life. Even during Lent, we may prefer to look backward at the compassionate and welcoming Jesus and forward to the triumphant Christ without pausing to reflect on the agonizing, bloody death on the cross. The cross that's the focus of the gospel. Martin Luther, long ago, distinguished between what he called a theology of glory and a theology of the cross. Now, the theology of glory prefers accomplishment to suffering. It chooses fame over faithfulness. It chooses wisdom over foolishness. The theology of glory is built on what appears to be self-evident about life. The choices that seem to be no-brainers. Of course we want power and fame. Of course we want wisdom. Of course that's what God wants too. That's the theology of glory. The theology of the cross, however, knows God only in Christ and in him crucified. The theology of the cross is grounded in the idea that God is truly known only in weakness and suffering and death. And that contradicts everything we think God should be. God's self-revelation comes in the form of a cross. And so it appears as foolishness and weakness to a world that looks for wisdom and strength in its God. The truth about who God is is the opposite of what we expect God to be. The truth is that God's mercy is given to sinners, not reserved for the righteous. The truth is that God's strength is exposed in weakness, not displayed in power. The truth is God's wisdom is veiled in parable and paradox, not written down in self-help books. The truth is that God's life is disclosed in death. God is not conformed to human expectations or desires. 
Because God is found in uncertainty and danger and suffering precisely where we think God is absent. So reading this passage of Jesus and his disciples, we can feel the stakes rising. There is suddenly more to being a disciple than just watching Jesus heal and hearing him teach. It might cost us something more than just being nice to people we don't like. Having told them plainly and openly about his cross, Jesus tells both his closest friends and the larger multitudes that if they want to be his disciples, they're going to have to take up their own crosses and follow him. And Jesus couldn't have chosen a more vivid image. In first century Palestine, the cross meant one thing, death. A cruel and torturous death that awaited anybody who threatened Caesar's kingdom. The Romans put up crosses like billboards, advertising Caesar's power and the fate of anyone who dared challenge him. Jesus' hearers knew exactly what the cross meant. And Mark has put this teaching moment right at the center of the gospel story, on purpose, I think, to remind us that the first call Jesus made to others, the first call that Jesus made to us, was not to be powerful. The first call that Jesus made to us was not to be a winner or successful or effective at your job. Jesus' first call was not to be the perfect parent or the perfect child. Jesus' first call was not to be comfortable or competent or content. Jesus' first call was simply to be his disciple, to follow him, to take responsibility for going on your own journey of faith the way he is doing on his way to the cross. We have a friend in ministry who has this lovely way of engaging faith, not by asking questions, but just by wondering aloud. I wonder. As we begin this Lent, I'd like to do that with you for a minute, to wonder aloud as a way maybe to take responsibility for our own journeys of faith. So I wonder. I wonder who you say Jesus is. I wonder where suffering has touched your life. I wonder what you learned there. I wonder where you feel you are in your journey of faith. I wonder if you're at the beginning or somewhere in the middle. I wonder if it's been a rocky road or a smooth one. I wonder if you feel stuck or steady or stretched. I wonder how you must deny yourself in order to follow Jesus. And I wonder if that frightens you. I wonder what God could do with our fear. In a moment, you'll come to this table. You'll feel the bread in your hand. You'll hear, this is the body of Christ, broken for you. Because Jesus went to the cross so that we might see his true glory there. I wonder. I wonder whether we'll choose to go with him. Let's pray. Let's pray.